Stephanie is at the front uh, for Bible boxes, in case any kids need to get Bible boxes. Thank you, Stephanie. Today we're in Genesis 17. For our communion meditation, we're going to read the scripture first. The lectionary houses do a funny thing. Um, They kind of uh, go around uh, the part about circumcision. So we're not going to talk about that today. uh, Genesis 17, we're going to be reading uh, verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to skip to 15 and 16. So please turn with me. We'll read that now. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. For the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Now 15 and 16. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Let's pray. Father, like Abram, we fall down before you on our face, acknowledging your glory among us. We are in awe, God, of who you are, and help us to um, think and be moved and changed by your spirit this morning, because we've taken time, God, to open your word. Amen. Our study this morning centers on one of the most important agreements in all of Scripture, that of Abraham and the Lord. They had already entered into an arrangement 25 years before this time. And now they are meeting again to reaffirm for the second time what has been promised. This covenant with Abraham is foundational For God's people for all time. It is not the first covenant, nor is it the only one. But through it, God's people are eternally blessed. It is the relationship through which we receive the law, the prophets, scripture, Messiah, everlasting hope. It is an important and complex agreement, and we could talk about it for a long time. But I want to focus in on one nature of the covenant The promise. Because you and I are a covenant people. God has created us to be that way. To enter into a bond with him that he initiates. Whereby all of our days are infused with his presence and his purpose as we follow him. You see, as we read about Abraham, we understand that this covenant was for a huge, spectacular purpose. For a nation, 
to be his people and ultimately for all of us. But when we read this, we also see ourselves today. For at its core, the purpose of God's covenant is to bless his people. God's desire then and today is the same, to bless those who believe in him, to bless those who follow him, who proclaim him, to love us with an everlasting love. What was true for Abraham is true for us. That God comes to us and gives us his presence so that we might get a life that we never, ever would have had otherwise. And the pattern we see with Abraham is often what we ourselves experience. That God shows up, reveals who he is, shows us who we are, and then unveils his promises, his plans for us for the future. Those three aspects are what we want to focus in on as we prepare our hearts to receive communion So first, let's talk about how God blesses his people through revealing who he is. When we look at what's happening with Abraham these many centuries later, a lot of things come into focus for us. This agreement was the basis for a people set apart, a chosen race, Israel, to exemplify God's character to the world, to bring redemption and grace for sin. But what is happening here? is also the beginning of our understanding of who God is, their understanding of who God is, so that he might be known by everyone else who would follow. That might be the most important purpose of any agreement we make with God, to know him. Twelve years ago this week, we brought, I'm going to cry, Olivia Bates into the world. (laughs) We brought her home from the hospital, actually. God brought her to the world, but, you know, we brought her home from the hospital. And we were alone for the first few nights wanting to bond and, you know, be the three of us like you do. Although we had no idea what we were doing. We thought, how bad could it be? There's two of us and there's only one of her. I remember the first night vividly. Everything was going great until like 11.30 p.m. right after we had gone to bed. She woke up and was not happy. I mean like screaming unhappy like someone was like poking her with a needle. And I did everything you might expect to no avail. Sitting only made it worse. So I held her and we walked all over the house with me talking to her softly. It's okay. Mom is here. I love you. It's all right. Seriously, people, she must have cried for like two hours, although it seemed much longer. And in the middle of it, I had this thought that had to have come from the Lord because I was way too bleary to be coherent. But it has stayed with me and this is it. It occurred to me that she actually didn't know who I was. She just got here, right? And this stranger is kind of holding her, and she's like, ah, you know, like, well, get me out of here. Where is my warm, safe, happy home? This is not it. And it occurred to me that in that moment that we were building a relationship where she had to learn to trust me. She had to learn that I was never going to leave her. That I was always going to be there for her no matter what. And I had to learn who she was and what she uniquely needed. That I loved her no matter what. Now this is true in varying degrees of life. It's the same everywhere. 
in the classroom, in business, when someone comes and does a job for us or us for them, certainly in friendship and in courtship, we have to be able to trust one another or there's no deal. There's no relationship. There's no moving forward if we can't trust one another for the things that we said we're going to do. Life is about relationship and none more important than with the God who made us. It's our interaction with him where all of trust matters the most. And it's not a one-time deal. Life is long. Our relationships grow. We change. Things expand. Life circumstances shift. And we sometimes have to go back to the place where we began to affirm once more that we indeed do trust one another and we want to move forward. When God first contacted Abraham, he had no idea who God was. In the ancient world, where Abraham was from, they worshipped many gods. Where he was from, actually, they worshipped the moon. God asked Abraham, leave everything that's familiar to you, your father's house, for a promise that he didn't really even understand. And throughout Abraham's life, we see these interactions where we have an unfolding relationship. And God shows Abraham through his actions and through his words who he really is. The covenant is meant to bring so much life into the world, but it all begins with Yahweh coming and talking and showing his heart to one guy. And through these conversations, we, get, we begin to get a picture of who he, he is. And Abraham learns to know God and trust him. And when God reaches out to him, Abraham follows him and believes him, even though what he's saying seems impossible sometimes. Throughout scripture, we see lots of places, especially in the Old Testament, where God will say something like this. I have done this so that you might know me. Tell them, when you tell them what has happened, that I am the Holy One of Israel. It is I who have made you. It is I who have done this. He wants us to believe in him and to know him. He reveals his plans to us and his characters to us. Here in this scripture, we see that he's almighty. He says, I am God almighty. So he's powerful. He's faithful. He's able to carry out marvelous things that Abraham is going to be the God of many nations. You see here that he is determined to be part of people's lives forever. When God comes to us, we also have to learn to trust him. That's our spiritual journey. So I want you to stop and think about how it is that God has revealed himself to you in your life. You and he have an agreement that is based on his character and his love for you. What is it that has bonded you to him in real ways? The covenant is first and foremost a relational agreement. The second part of God's blessing in his covenant with us is to show us who we are. God changes both names here. Abram becomes uh, Abram, which means father exalted, became, becomes Abraham, father of many. While it might not be that different, it is emphasized three times just in this passage that Abraham will be the father of nations. Sarai is translated as quarrelsome. While Sarah means princess or noblewoman, a much better rendering. I'm sure she thought that too. 
But in scripture, you see often that God will change the name of people, Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter, giving a new identity that is based in him, often indicating the mission that they have. People sometimes take a new name at baptism to reflect their commitment to the Lord. They choose a different name that's meaningful to them, that shows other people the privilege and the responsibility and honor of serving God. Names are important. This week at Bible study, we talked about why we were given the names that we were given. And it's interesting because that kind of becomes part of our identity. What your parents hoped for you, what their dreams were for you or kind of what they wanted to communicate about you or the Lord or their family is kind of what name they gave you. But our spiritual names are important too. When we become part of God's family, we say, I am a Christian. I am part of Jesus's family. I am part of him. He is part of me. I am a new creation. Abraham had already left his family to follow God. But this is the time where he makes it really cement his identity in the Lord. What is your identity in God? As your relationship with him has grown, how has your identity, how you think of yourself, how others think of you, become more rooted in him? He takes those things that have defined us in our lives, the not so good things maybe, or maybe the things that are fine, our backgrounds, our family, but also our fears. Our addictions, our sin, our shame, our pride. However it is that we kind of thought of ourselves when we were all that in a bag of rice. And he gives us a new name based on how he views us and how he wants to transform us. So what name or trait do you cling to? Whatever it is, I would encourage you to continue to live into that. Whoever it is that God is making you to be. That's not always an easy thing to do because sometimes when we get afraid or we get kind of caught up in what's going on in the world, we forget and we slip back into maybe our old selves. Sometimes we get lost. We can't find the Lord. But in those moments, ask him to remind you who you are. In addition to a new name, God tells Abraham to walk before me and be blameless. I love these words. These words should be like on all in all of our cars and all of our houses, I thought. Because it tells us that life is an ongoing pilgrimage where nothing is hidden from God. And we put our energies into being wholly dedicated to him. Walk before me and be blameless is what the Lord says. Not perfect, but growing and learning more each day to integrate ourselves into who God is. That's what it means to be holy. The third part of God's blessing in the covenant is to unveil his plans for the future. Now, this is a curious thing because we like our plans to be flushed out with charts and color diagrams and dates would be really, really great. But that's not how God works. God gives a big picture. Sometimes it's just a flash I've been in worship before and God it just kind of says this one word and I'm like, what does that mean? And then I wait, you wait. It means that we have to depend on him, staying close to him so that it can get completely fleshed out. Abraham left his whole community and livelihood based on a promise he couldn't see. God said, I'm going to make you great. Your descendants 
are going to be as numerous as the stars. They already knew that his wife was barren. But still they followed. 25 years have gone by. Certainly, this maybe isn't what they thought it would look like. They took matters into their own hands to have a son. They are much older. They don't really have any land. And when the affirmation of the promise happens again, God tells him a few new things. Yes, you are going to be the father of many nations. Sarah is going to bear you a son. Kings are going to come from you. This agreement is going to be eternal. It's never going to end. When we first trust the Lord, he gives us a hope and a future. All of us have a different relationship with him. Where he shows up, where maybe he's silent, where he comes alongside, where he proclaims, where he encourages and convicts. There's not one way that God relates to us. But what are the promises that you believe that God has made to you? Maybe they're ones that you cling to through scripture. What are the ways that you have seen those promises lived out in your life? Which ones are you still waiting to come to fruition? Are you trusting still? Or are you tired? Wondering how the Lord will accomplish what it is that he has said to you. Abraham and Sarah waited a long time. The book of Hebrews says this, By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered God faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead. That's what the scripture says. Isn't that hilarious? And he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Not all of us have to wait that long to see God's promises fulfilled, but some of us will. We may never see on this earth how much fruit has been born because of our obedience to the Lord, but daily still we trust. This week at Sermon Study, we talked about how promises give hope that a relationship matters. Promises are necessary to the bonds we have because without them, there's no trust or no understanding that we are really important to one another. In communion, we affirm once again this covenant that we have entered into with the Lord, with God Almighty. We thank him for his faithfulness and the ways that he has kept his word to us. We examine our life to see if we are humbly walking before him in ways that honor him. We confess our disobedience. We ask for strength. On this second Sunday of Lent, we celebrate the covenant of Abraham. That was carried through so many faithful men and women to get us to Jesus. The one who came to bring the next phase of God's plan. We are here today because God keeps his promises. He has blessed us by revealing who he is. By showing us who we really are. And by giving us an everlasting future. 
as you partake this morning, I encourage you to review your covenant with the Lord Almighty. Talk with him about the terms. Renew your bond. Receive assurance from him. You do not have to be a member of this church or any church to take communion here. The table is open to all who honestly want to participate in who God is and what he has for them.